Hi, I'm Amy Rodman. Welcome to Igniting Creativity. We have been talking to virtual teachers and it has been so much fun learning what each teacher does, different strategies, what age group and subject matter that they teach and just really figure out how we can be the best teachers and use some tips and tricks that everybody has been giving us along the way. This episode is with Alex McCarty and she is a teacher of younger children and boy can you tell that she has the right personality for that. So stay tuned for lots of tips and tricks about how she manages her classroom. Hi Alex, it's so nice to meet you. So nice to have you on the podcast. This is Alex McCarty. Can you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about what you do as a virtual teacher and even beyond that. Sure. Uh, first of all, thanks so much for having me today. And um, I uh, teach on OutSchool primarily. Um, on OutSchool, I teach a variety of topics, um, STEAM, um, art, um, drawing, I guess that's art, um, social studies, um, and then just some classes that are for fun. Um, and then outside of that, I also do a little bit of teaching. I'm a STEAM teacher for a company called Snapology. Um, that's like a Lego-based STEAM company. I did that a lot more before the pandemic. That one's kind of on the back burner right now. Um, and then I also teach at um, a local micro school, uh, which is like a a little school for homeschoolers that they go to twice a week. Uh, so I teach science there. And then um, I also teach art at a local uh, art institute. So. Oh, wow. So like juggling all the things. Is the, art in, is the art institute college age students? Oh, no, no. Sorry. Yeah, it is a child based art institute. Yeah. Or all oh, ages. Okay. It's an all age. It's yeah. Okay. So you're. Your age group, your primary age group, are the younger children, correct? Yes. On OutSchool, I teach primarily um, four to seven or eight, I would say. Okay. So tell me about your experience with that, because we both have the art thing in common. And I, I mean, I taught in a K through 12 school for years and years. And so just to kind of ease my way into it. I started with the older kids thinking, okay, they're going to know how to use the technology, but I'm finding now everybody knows how to use the technology. It doesn't matter if they're preschoolers or not. So what was your experience starting with such young kids? Um, so first of all, I think that I just really enjoy that age group because they're so open uh, to basically anything that you ask them to do. They are just there and they are ready and they don't have any preconceived notions about how it's supposed to look or anything. I would say the, the hardest thing for them is sometimes they're a little hard on themselves if something's not going exactly right for them. Um, but I like that I it's really um, that you can jump in and go. You don't it, I don't, I try to keep it fairly simple uh, because a lot of times children will show up not necessarily with all of the things that I hoped that they would have. So you have to be very flexible, <laughs> very flexible, and yes, very on the fly with them and a lot of reassuring that it's okay, whatever they have, we're going to make it work. Um, right. So, you know, sometimes I'll have three different things going on my screen at the same time. Like, here's the main project in the ideal world, the way I intended it. You know, right. here's the one. For those of you who didn't have this, we're going to do this up here. And then for those of you who are doing it this way, we'll do that over here. So, you know, it's just, you. I think the, the thing about that age is you just have to be ready to kind of meet them where they are. 
and just go with the flow. And in the end, as long as you do that and you keep a great attitude, they're having fun. I mean, I'm not trying to turn out like Picasso here. I'm just trying to create a really like warm, welcoming, creative environment for kids to come and just enjoy being together and, and making something. So, oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. That's it. I feel the same way. And I, I don't ever want them to feel like it has to look like a certain thing. And we talk about this quite often, you know, kids will say something about yours looks so good. And I remind them how much older I am than that. Yes. And I talk to them about my experience growing as an artist and where I was at their level, you know, and how they're right where they need to be. So yeah, that's the kind of attitude and environment that you need to bring to them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, um, supply wise, you know, you saying that they don't always come with what they need. I have kept mine as minimal as possible and that happens occasionally, but honestly, I've been really pleased with how prepared they show up, you know, it's, I also run more ongoing classes where I see most of the same kids every week, you know, there's definitely new ones in and out. And, but whenever I was doing more one-time classes, that's whenever you're meeting kids, it's like, you have no idea what the dynamic of the class is going to be because they're all new for the most part. I mean, there's re-enrollments too, but you know, it's just a new mix of kids every time. And then you don't know what they're showing up with and just getting set up and how well they know the platform or the technology. So what kind of classes do you mostly run? And, you know, how have you found all of that? Like how have you navigated all of that? Sure. Yeah. So I, I know that when we were sort of at the height of things uh, being um, all online, um, a lot of teachers were having their biggest success. It seems to me with one-time classes, um, mm -hmm. I don't really teach that many one-time classes. And I think it's just for the reasons that you said is because I, I really like to build a, like a relationship and a rapport with kids over a series of meetings. And also for me, like I can be very flexible, but I also don't want that child to only have one experience with me where they came in and they didn't have what they needed to have. And it was kind of a fluster and I can get them through all of that, but it's just so sad when at the end of that, like that's the end for them. So for me, I've always focused on either multi-day or ongoing. And right now it is definitely ongoing for me as well. And so just like you said, you kind of start to get a rhythm with those students their right. first time in they might be like oh what's all this but i'll simply explain to them like you know what if you you know if you stick around if you're going to be back next week it's going to get easier and easier you're going to know just what to do um you know it'll all start to make sense to you so yeah, yeah i think that i just really like that building of of relationship and expectations over a series of classes and i actually feel like um for me the retention of students then is higher because by the end of the class we're like you know, we're all best friends. So they, I know. they, they yeah. want to hang out with their best friends some more. Yeah. I had a multi-day class that I ran last school year and it was five weeks and we actually stretched it into six weeks. Like this was a preteen age class and they were doing so well, but they were putting so much effort into things. It was running a little slower than I had anticipated. And I said, you know what, let's, if you can meet the following week at the same time, let's just continue it and kind of wrap things up a little bit better. And those kids were so sad to leave because Aww. they had such good conversations with each other. They got to know each other so well in that, you know, a month and a half, it's not that long, but 
just getting to know the kids as the teacher, getting, allowing those kids to get to know each other. Like they became friends. They really enjoyed their company. So the ongoing classes, I don't know about you, but I run them from September to May. And so it's like, they could just go on forever. And the reason that I had paused in the summer was because I couldn't consistently keep those up every week because of other in-person camps and things I was teaching. But I mean, they could just go on forever and ever. And those students, they never want to leave. I know they become (laughs) part of the family in a way, you know? Yeah. And I have people also ask me, you know, well, you're online, you're not, you don't actually know them or, you know, they make comments to that degree. And I totally disagree. And it sounds like you do as well. Definitely. Oh my gosh. So some of my students, I teach this one ongoing class um, and it's been going since um, not this past August, but the previous August. Um, And it's a dinosaur club. So each week we meet and we learn about a new feature dinosaur of the week. And I, I'm not lying when I tell you that there are students who have been in that class all the way along and we've cycled back. Right. So what I did was I kind of did like, um, like a, you know, fall through spring series. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I switched up the format for summer. And I said we were doing like a a summer series. Um, And that way, and I allowed parents all the flexibility that they needed if they needed to skip weeks or whatever, like I was very open with refunds, just because, you know, I, at this point, they're my family, they've been with me all year. And of course, some kids come in and out in and out. But there are some who just truck along through the whole thing. And then we started up again this fall. And I let them all know, I'm just letting you know that we're going to go back to the old format. And we're going to go back to, you know, the beginning, we're going to, I'm going to cycle through again. If you don't want to do that, you know, I have these uh, I created some other kind of dinosaur themed fun classes because I thought, well, they'll just want to get together and have some dinosaur fun. But don't you know that there are some kids that were like, we'll just do it again. Okay. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. So yeah, I, I, I mean, and then when they leave, when a student leaves, you know, because whatever, they go back to school or I've, mm-hmm. I had a lot of that this fall and you don't know that they're going to leave. You just get that message that, that they're leaving. Right. It's like, it's like heartbreaking. Cause you feel I like, know. it's like, I, I love you. <laughs> yeah. You know. yeah. Yeah. Now, when you say fun classes, what would you, what would you say you do during those classes? It's less academic, I would assume, you know, but you're still covering material. Definitely. Everything I do has an element of like educational aspect to it. Um, but sometimes it's just a lot more hidden or more relaxed. So, you know, in that, in the dinosaur club, I'm referring to, it's called the dinosaur collectors club. In that class, it's a little more structured. We start out at the beginning with some sharing. Um, Those kids could go on with sharing for the whole class (laughs) is what I've noticed. And then after sharing, we usually do some kind of movement activity just to kind of like transition them into the educational part, just to you know, because at that point, they've all been so patient listening to each other and having it not be their turn. So that kind of like brings them all together and like engages them for a minute. And then we move into the educational material after that, which is a lot of um, me asking them for their observations, and then kind of following up, you know, with with facts or whatever that kind of support those observations. And then and then an interactive part where we have a field guide and we uh, we all complete entries in our field guide together through, again, some oh, question I and answer. That. Yeah. So it's yeah. Got, it, it really is a lot. It's got the sharing, the, um, you know, gross motor, then a little bit of like 
conversational learning and then a hands-on activity at the end to kind of wrap it all up. So I feel like these kids go on a real journey in that class. Um, and sometimes they don't ever want to leave. I know that there are a lot of teachers out there who are like, I could never have a class for more than 25 minutes in this age group. Let me tell you this age group, if you have got them engaged, literally never want to leave. I I mean, there'll be sometimes at the hour mark where I'm like, you guys, we're like 20 minutes over. We got to go. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm so sorry. I have to teach another class. I love you all. I got to get out of here. So that's the format for that. (laughs) It's yesterday. I had a student that had a stick bug as a pet and it was super cool. And so he was showing that off and I'm like, it's really time for me to go. And he's like, I don't have any other classes today. <laughs> it oh was actually gosh. his morning and it was me at 5 PM. So that's the other cool thing is yes. when you're virtual, you're teaching from all over the world. And, you know, he's letting this, this insect crawl up his drawing and it was sticking to that smooth surface. It was just really cool to see. And, you know, of course they love to share, but you know, they're just like, it's okay. We're, we're we'll good. Stay. We stay. So, um, because you have the younger kids and I find it's harder to log off with the younger kids, they, mm-hmm. they do want to stay or they just like, they don't want to be the one to press that button, you know? So right. what is your tactic to actually log off? <laughs> That is a great question. So I do teach some different types of classes. Um, uh, So we do always have a goodbye moment. Uh, Usually I'll kind of wind them down. I'll start saying something. Well, first of all, I'll start saying things like, guys, I really have to go. (laughs) So there's that in some groups. But in most groups, if we're being, you know, if we're doing that the right way and not that we've gone 15 minutes over away, um, I'll just start kind of uh, prepping them by saying like, okay, does anybody have anything else that they want to say, share, or ask? Let's all go around and make sure that everybody does. If raise your hand, if you have anything else that you want to say, share, or ask before we say goodbye. And that mm-hmm. kind of starts to clue them in. Like, this is my, this is it. This is the last moment, right. which of course <laughs> they still it. want to go on forever. But then I'll just simply say like, okay, you know what? That's all that we have time for today. And, and usually they understand if you tell them you have another class, like I have to go teach dinosaurs now. Um, but then we always do something fun. So like in my dinosaur classes, I will typically ask them, I don't even remember how this started, but I'll just, I'll pretend to be the dinosaur that we're going to, that we were learning about that day. And then they have the option of pretending to be whatever dinosaur they want to be. And their job is to attack me or they can use their toy dinosaurs and they can like bring up their dinosaurs and attack me. And I'll try, I'll run away as that dinosaur. Uh, So that's it. And then we're all say, and then I say goodbye to all their names. And then I just push the button and like pull off the bandaid and we're out. So (laughs) that's a good way to put it. Pull off the bandaid. Yes. one group that we, we instituted a double hand wave because nobody wanted to press the button and say goodbye. You know, they didn't want to be the first one. And I said, okay, this is what we'll do. We'll just count down and we'll, we'll double wave to each other. And then as you're waving, then I'll click. And so they would go three, two, one, and they would wave and we'd all say bye. And then we would just exit all together. So that worked really well because they, three of them in that class actually knew each other and lived close by, but it was during the time when they couldn't actually visit each other. Mm -hmm. And so that was their get together time and they didn't want to leave each other. And the other students all became part of their group too, you know, so that's always fun when they know each other. But, um, so 
because this is such a young age group, I'm sure you have tons of stories of just like really fun or funny things that have happened. So one of my questions for you is what is like the funniest, worst, best experience with this age group? I know I was trying to think about that a lot last night. And it's funny because I come downstairs all the time and like, you know, word vomit on my family about like this hilarious thing that just happened or, oh my gosh, <laughs> these kids, you know, these kids or whatever. And um, it's so hard, like in the moment, I know there's hilarious stuff happening all the time, right. but it's hard to like pick out one moment. But then this morning I did remember one. Um, and usually the funniest moments that happen in class are be- are my fault because it's usually that a student is saying something and because my old ears just sometimes malfunction or the whatever the delay is or whatever sometimes I have to ask them I just cannot understand what they're saying so I'll just be like I'm so sorry like could you just say that one more time as slowly as you can so that Miss Alex can hear it? And sometimes by the end, we're, I'll be trying to repeat what they're saying. So just last week, um, one of my students was telling me about um, some elves that had moved, in, moved into her home. This is in my fairy class. And okay. um, so elves are a big topic in all the classes right now, but particularly in fairy class, at least it's semi on topic. So she was letting us know about these two elves that had just moved into her house. And she was trying to tell me their names and their names are Tinsel and Topper. Both of those start with a T. Uh I could not hear that word Topper to save my life. First, I was like, oh my, and I always try to repeat what they're saying as just a way of kind of giving them feedback to let them know I hear you, you know, we're in a conversation. Um, So I'm just repeating and being excited, like, oh my gosh, that's so exciting. Copper is such a cute name for an elf. And she was like, it's not (laughs) copper, it's topper. But I still could, I was like, yeah, copper. And she was like, no, it's topper. And I was like, oh, hopper? (laughs) She was like, no, it's topper. And I was like, well, finally I realized she's saying topper and now now I was like oh now this is a game so then I just tried to think of as many things as I could to rhyme with make it fun not getting it to topper so by the end like tear it was just tears like we were all cracking up it was so fun I and those are those moments where I just think to myself oh my god this is my life I'm just sitting here with these incredible like full of light young people and they like it's real they're really with me and I'm really with them and we're all having this like super real moment and it's just delightful. Like what a, right, what a world. I know. Like, <laughs> laughter is such good yeah. medicine for your heart where I saw some sort of statistic about how good laughing is for your heart. So there you go. You're, you're doing this for your heart health. Yes, that's <laughs> right. That's practically exercise, right? <laughs> right. No, I, the, the language barrier every once in a while catches me, you know, or, um, one of my students has a pretty heavy accent along with two missing front teeth right now, you know, so, yes, that's part of the issue for sure. So it's not their fault, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's hard sometimes, but with the younger students, I did find that parents generally tend to be kind of floating in the background and every once in a while, we'll just be like, come over and say something, you know, to help out. Yes. Or- thank goodness. Sometimes yeah. I will actually say to them, cause I know they're right off screen. I'll say, I'm really sorry. I just could, I need a little bit of help here. <laughs> like, I am not can't always type in the chat. You know, the older kids will type something in the chat real fast or real easy, yes. easily. And I've had some students 
you know, cause we have an age range. So let's say I have a five-year-old and an eight-year-old in the class, the eight-year-old might be able to type something and they'll be like, well, just type it. And the five-year-old is just like looking like, mm, like no. is that even a thing? <laughs> yes. right. So, you know, we, there's different ways of going about it. Do you have parents that sit most of the time with your students or are they just kind of getting more and more independent because they've been with you for so long? Yeah, it certainly depends. I have some parents who really like to be right there. And I think it depends on the temperament of the learner. When they're first starting out with me, I actually send a message out to the parents encouraging them to stay close by. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I think that especially as they're getting to meet you know, I'm a new grown up for them. Um, it's going to be all new rhythms, all new experiences, a new way of, of asking things and saying things. So I like to make sure if at all possible that there's a grown up nearby um, that can kind of help out or just give them that emotional support that they need of knowing that there's a grown up that they know and trust like right there with them. Um, right. And yeah. I find that those kids are the ones who have the best experience long term because you know, even though that grown up might over time kind of learn like, okay, my kid's good now and they just go do their thing. In the beginning, it really sets that student up for success um, in this age group. Obviously older age groups, it's not that. But I don't actually, so sometimes though, you know, students show up just on their own and they've never met me before. And I do say it, it's definitely more of a struggle for those kids at first. You know, I'm very welcoming. We always do the best, but I do feel like it takes them a little bit longer to kind of settle, settle in and feel confident and, you know, know, know what they're doing. Not that they're not having fun because thankfully we switch up the activities all the time to make sure there's at least one or two things that doesn't matter if there's any, like, you'll be okay. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, in this age group, there is typically a parent somewhere in the vicinity, even just for something as simple as using the mute buttons, which I do utilize in my classes. So, okay. um, yes, yeah. so find... we have to do a lot of training for that. And mm-hmm. I love having a parent nearby to kind of help out with that training at first. I find that it's not so much that I need to mute because of the student. It's the background noise. That's me. I have, so I, I'm very open about the fact that I have ADHD and some processing disorders. And so for me, I can't imagine for them, I'm sure many of my students have the same thing, sensitivities. Um, mm-hmm. I know on my end, if there's all that background noise going or students all trying to talk at the same, if it's, it's too chaotic for me. And it's hard for me to kind of like focus on what I'm doing and feel calm. So for, for me to get through my day, it's just better for me if I and the kids don't care as long as you set it up as being like a thing that's happening and you make sure to let them know how they can communicate with you. We always like practice raising our hands at the beginning. Mm -hmm. We practice the mute button. Like we practice the nonverbal ways that we can communicate to let me know that, you know, they've got something that they need to say um, and making sure that they can unmute when I, you know, prompt them to, Um, they, they all just sort of, it's just like, you know, maths or anything else difficult that we ask of our kids. Like, Mm-hmm. At first it's awkward and then everybody just, we're just doing it. It's just normal. It's so. your classroom management and your routine. And so they, they respect that whenever yeah. you've taught it and you saying that you practice it and, you know, you're going over, this is how it goes. That's an expectation that they, they know that you have. And so yeah. I think that students, when they have those expectations or guidelines, they really do respect that. And they, they understand that that's just the way this is going to flow so well. So, you know, when you have a new student, sometimes it just takes a little bit of time for them to understand 
how your classes run, but the same as whenever we're teaching in person, you know, I, so I'm an artist in residence um, where I go into schools twice a week and it's through our local museum, but I teach in a classroom that I'm being hosted by a teacher. You know, I've been asked to come and do a special project and you're in someone else's space. They have their routines. They, you know, and me as a teacher, I have to kind of get in the groove of what they're doing because it's different than what I would have done in my own classroom. And so I think, you know, we all are adaptable. We all can change as adults, as kids, and we see what works and what doesn't work. And then we make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what about just to kind of wrap it up, what is one strategy you use to create those authentic connections? We talked about relationship building and how we see these students over and over. So what do you think has really helped you build that rapport with them? So I think first of all, um, you know, just, just as I said, sort of meeting each student as an individual but, and also as a group. So like you said, setting up those expectations at the beginning of the class, so we're kind of all on the same page, um, and then giving them sort of an overview of what they can expect uh, during the class. Um, sometimes I keep some surprises. They're always trying to like give me give away the surprises, but I think for them that helps to build the suspense a little bit too and make them feel like, ooh, we're like, we're gonna find out together. Um, uh-huh. I think saying, you know, obviously saying really upbeat, but at the same time, um, I know that each child, especially in this age group, has a different temperament. Some kids are not ready to like, they're not all in. You know, they're not sure if they wanna be there yet. They're not sure if they wanna share. They're obviously there for a reason. It could be that the parents thought, this is something my kid really loves and I want to give them this experience, but the child isn't sure, like, yes, they love fairies or, you know, magical creatures or dinosaurs, but they're not sure if they want to like talk about them on a screen Mm -hmm. with a human yet. So I just try, first of all, to um, let each of them go at their own pace. I keep it very comfortable. If you're not ready to share, I'll just simply say, it's okay. Like, you don't have to share yet. Would it be better if I don't pop you? Because usually I pop them up onto speaker view or presenter. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, when it's their speech. turn. Would they it make you that. feel better if I, you know, keep your thing small? You know, we usually try to wait to kind of ease them into that until they're more comfortable. So I think, first of all, I try to make it a safe space, um, mm-hmm. an, a welcoming space. I do encourage that parental like presence. I think that that really helps them to feel like they're in a safe space where they're more ready to be themselves. And then I think after that, it's just being yourself, you know, like just relaxing, smiling, letting each of those kids' personalities shine through. Um, You know, are they going to interrupt you 52,000 times to tell you, you know, (laughs) about the turtle that's sitting next to them or the you know, what they see out their window, or if they hear thunder, and they're worried about that, like, yes, they are. I I just have to let them do it. You know, it's like, I, I remind them, like, okay, we have to stay on track. Like, we've got some things that we have to do today. But in the mix of that, just letting them like, have a moment to be themselves mm-hmm. with you, and to not always be like super focused on my agenda. So the agenda is there, but the more important thing is that connection and letting each of those kids kind of like, I don't know, make it. They're in my space, but it's their space too. So I have to kind of let there Good be sort of a, a flow. Yeah, yeah, you're right because you can teach the exact same class over and over and over. I mean, so I have one particular one-time class that is the one that I teach the most. It is different every single time. 
you know, and it's yeah. because of what students are there and how they interact and what they bring to the table. So you're right. It is just as much their space. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was a really good answer, like very thorough to just kind of figure out what, what is each child about, you know, yeah. and what are they bringing to us and to the group and how can they share? So, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Alex. This was such a great conversation. I loved that you you were able to show that this is a truly authentic way to interact, teach. I mean, it's a great career, I feel. I love I love it. <laughs> I love I love how I've met so many different kids and, you know, just so many different experiences mm-hmm. that I I couldn't be happier doing it. So I always love whenever I can share that with somebody else and somebody else is now sharing it with us. And, you know, we just see the different perspectives that all of us teachers have. I I totally agree. I feel really fortunate to have found this platform uh, right when I did uh, it, you know, it's just been an amazing learning experience, something that I never thought I've never imagined myself doing something like this. And I just Mm -hmm. sort of jumped in with both feet and here we are today. It's, it's super cool. Right. Yeah. As a hands-on type of teacher, I Mm -hmm. never, ever sat down in the classroom. So to think that I could teach this way really effectively. And, you know, I have other people ask, well, how does that even work? You know, that's what is amazing. We've made it work. We we figure it out. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) That's right. All right. Well, thank you so much. It was great talking to you. Thank you, Amy. Thanks so much for listening. I know I took away a lot of gems from her. She really just laid it out there, what works with her students, what are good tips about classroom management, creating that safe environment, just letting them be creative, letting them be the kids that they should be at that age. And honestly, I just can truly see that Alex loves what she does. So I really appreciate her taking the time to talk to us and I hope you learned something from her.